On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I'm so honored to welcome Kate Galley. How are you? Laurie, I am awesome, and I'm excited to be on the podcast with you. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm always fun to talk to someone halfway around the world and it's in a, you're literally in the future. It's a different day, which is, it just kills <laughs> <I> me. <am. laughs> Every single time that happens, it's just, it's just remarkable. Um, I'm easily amused apparently. So <laughs> you have, you know, if you've done a lot of work, you do a lot of cool things, but you know, I want to get to your health coaching and the other things in your podcast and everything, but can you tell us a little bit about who is Kate Galley in your plant-based journey? 100%. Um, so I'm a vegan health coach here in Sydney, Australia, and I probably got into health and fitness originally um, as a way to transform um, my own confidence and my own body. I was a debilitatingly shy teenager. So I discovered the gym at about 19, got pretty obsessed with it took about 10 years on from that point in time to where I discovered that this was the one thing that I never got sick of talking about when friends or strangers or, you know, any random person asked me for health advice. Um, that was the one thing I loved to talk about. So that was when I transitioned health and fitness, being a personal trainer specifically to my career. And um I was vegetarian at that point in time. I've been vego since I was 16 and I'm 44 now. So it was only five years ago that as a, um, you know, vegan person, vegetarian personal trainer, I saw cowspiracy like so many other people. And I was confronted with the fact that being vego wasn't enough. Um, I needed to transition to the vegan plant-based lifestyle. So that happened five years ago. And over that period of time, um, you know, I focused my energy more on vegan health coaching and looking to help those clients with transitioning from, I guess, either either the, you know, carnivore or, you know, omnivore style um, lifestyle to a plant-based lifestyle, or also those, those, um, those vegans we, we love and, and want to help out who are a little too addicted to the junk food vegan lifestyle. So I'm a strong advocate of um, a whole food plant-based approach. That's, and that is absolutely the best approach because <laughs> I, I think that's one thing we have in common with people that we work with is they, folks who are new to the plant-based world, they just think even the processed food is going to be healthy or healthier. And in many, in many cases, it can be healthier, but it's certainly not going to create health. And um, so I think that's a really good point. So how do you help someone who's brand new to this world? How do you help them transition? Have you found certain commonalities that everyone needs help with or do you adjust accordingly or what was the surprises what are what are some of your your sage advice after all these years 
Yeah, do you know, it's so fascinating seeing that um, the struggles that most of my clients have. And again, since I've been a trainer for, for 15 years now, a lot of my clients have been with me almost that entire period of time. So I've got wow. lots of clients that have been with me for over 10 years. So having said that, most of them, um, you know, aren't fully plant-based. They're just kind mm. of becoming a little bit more open to it. But the fascinating thing is most people, um, what they struggle with, whether they still eat animals or whether they're like fully embracing the plant-based lifestyle um it's stuff like discipline and um you know food addictions and emotional eating and time and being resistant to meal prep we just can't resist that we've got to admit that um no matter what type of healthy lifestyle you want to lead um meal prep is it it just has to be a given mm-hmm. um and the funny thing is you know i've I've encountered people who do bodybuilding, um, you know, following eating animal products or bodybuilding, um, you know, with the vegan lifestyle or whatever it may be. It takes the same amount of time that you need to put in to get the results with preparing that food in, exa- in advance. But some really smart people just resist that for a lot of years, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so it, it depends with the individual client, I guess, where they're starting from, right? So for the person who is trying, let's say they're trying plant-based for health reasons, which is probably most common. For me, it was for ethical reasons. Um, but for most people it's that I encounter in the gym, they're curious about this plant-based thing for health reasons. And so my first point with them would probably to to help them make that strong connection with the emotional side of their why you know for us who are coming at it from a vegan point of view we're really really strongly emotionally connected with the why behind why we're going to change our our lifestyle but from a health point of view you can sometimes be a little bit wishy-washy that's probably awful for you to hear as a health professional as 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 well but I'm sure you found it too Laurie that that people think anything is better than nothing and yes it absolutely is Mm -hmm. but I want to really connect someone with the eliciting their values, eliciting their beliefs, going really deep on the mindset side of things, and then making the connection between living those values, living those beliefs, and how that aligns with their goal, if that goal is, you know, leading a healthy plant-based lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I I think that's brilliant, because it's really hard to live um, a life that's not in accordance with your values. So you're constantly you know, there's that internal friction. And so making someone aware of that and bring it to kind of the, what I call the thinking mind or making yeah. them you know, more mindful of that really is powerful. And um, sometimes it takes one conversation. Sometimes it takes months of conversations. So, You're so right. <laughs> it really varies. And sometimes it's a discovery. And I had a really cool um, interaction with my patient last night. And I was like, you know, after being a doctor for 20 some odd years, um, close to 20 years, I was like, I have learned so much from my patients. I said, I would be Mm -hmm. so wise if I could just implement all the wisdom. And he goes, you know, maybe not all the wisdom was made for you. I was like, oh, that's actually very good. Maybe it's just me passing along the wisdom. I was like, and he was young man. I was like, look at you telling me that's great. He goes, I know. (laughs) That's amazing. That's so true. It was really fun. It was a really cool interaction. And it was, it was, uh, that was a really, it was a really nice 
time last night when I had that conversation with Paige. So I've just so enjoyed the conversations. And I think, is that part of your joy and why you go back? I call it veggie crack when people, I was like, eat vegetables, get better. I get, I get a dopamine hit. It's like veggie crack. So I just need to I keep love doing that. it. <laughs> I have heard you say that. I love that. And yes, you're so right. That's part, one of the things that, you know, has kept me in this career for so many years is I get to interact with so many amazing people and, mm. you know, some, I'm, I guess I'm a luxury product as a personal trainer, right? So um, I get to interact with some incredibly successful professionals and, mm. You know, I love that. I love that even though many of them aren't full plant-based yet, they have, you know, we've built up a level of trust and rapport and they've been observing my journey over the past number of years and seeing that it only gets better and better and easier and easier and I'm not, you know, like fading away into this, you know, like sickly little vegan. We've busted that stereotype by now anyway. But one of the other things I really love about really successful clients in their professional life is something that you can do as an individual looking to make a lifestyle change is model the success that you've seen in other areas of your life. So the standards that are all that you've already set for yourself, be it at an unconscious or, or conscious level that have allowed you to succeed in perhaps your career, perhaps, you know, your, your family, um, your hobbies, whatever it may be. You can look at that and perhaps, you know, Laurie or I, we can help our clients break that down and see, hey, here are the standards I'm, I'm holding myself to in this area of life where I'm really winning. And mm. here's how I can make this applicable to this area of life, be it health, whatever it may be, where I'm looking to get even better. Mm. That's really good because then you're showing them that they're winning in other parts of their life. It gives them confidence to move forward in something they maybe feel a little less confidence and unsure of um, 100 percent mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. yeah I think you know we used to do um, my friend Anthony who we launched the plant-based telehealth with um, and we launched health human revolution and it's fun because we used to do mindset Monday podcasts and those were really fun and honestly I think we got more enjoyment <laughs> in our audience but awesome. we learned it was just really good because um, those were moments to reflect on things that you know people or patients had said and take it into my own account and saying, well, what, how am I can apply that to my own life too? So it's a, it's a growth for everybody. Um, cause nobody's perfect in this journey and it certainly, um, it gets easier with time, but they're, you know, we're all fallible. So, um, what is some of your, your challenges that you ever, or do you have your, your, for me, it's those, here in the United States, they have these little girls scout, if you've ever had one, but they're vegan and they're their thin mint cookies. <laughs> My goodness, they're quite delicious, but I can't have them because I'll eat the whole thing. But anyway, that's mine. Do you have one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have plenty, of course. You know, I'm, I'm an emotional eater. I get so much joy from food. And, and that's why I kind of, I get a little bit triggered when mm. someone says to me, oh, I couldn't be vegan. I love food too much. I love food so much. However, it's my firm belief that once we admit our lack of discipline and I do have a lack of discipline like around a lot of food once we admit it it's actually a bit of a game-changing advantage because we start outsmarting our lack of discipline we start out planning we start learning from our mistakes in the past because they're always going to happen again if the circumstances are, are set up for them to happen again so Laurie mine are like roasted nuts any nuts really <laughs> salted nuts um I have to, you know, my colleagues laugh because I keep my nuts 
that's at work. I keep them at the gym. They can't be in the house because they're a trigger food for me. I love them so much and I will not share them. Um, <laughs> all the boys at the gym, they test me. They ask for a portion of, of nuts. I don't share them with anyone. I love them too much. So they're one of my, my, um, my tempting trigger foods. Oh yeah, absolutely. Nuts, pecans. I love pecans. They're so delicious. good. So many <laughs> yeah. are so good. Oh <laughs> yeah. There's something special about that. Oh my goodness. Um, but absolutely. And so when you work with someone, um, you know, when you, you also speak about how to make this adoption easy. So, you know, you have, you spoke a little bit about the mindset. Is there other tips and tricks that you found to help people make this transition? Yeah, there are so many, like I have a kind of a top 10, so I won't go through all of them. But I guess one of the surprising ones to, to some people making the transition is just how a healthy meal is, is formatted or how you build it. So you're not mm -hmm. focusing on the one main event like you used to with that kind of, I guess, slab of animal flesh, right? But you're building a meal of your plant strong protein for sure, but your fibrous veg and your good fats and you know, I found that um, for someone who's coming from a position with no pre-existing health conditions, uh, personally speaking for myself, I've actually gotten away with eating a lot more of the healthy whole food fats, the nuts, the seeds, the avocados, never the processed oils. Um, you know, I've gotten away with eating larger meals. A lot of people are kind of stumped by that initially. They might like swap a slab of steak with a pile of spinach and not be satisfied. And no wonder, right? Like right. we really have to eat those big, um, diverse, hearty meals, which I kind of find is a really happy side effect. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the, the main points, how you build a meal. But I would also say, um, you know, finding your community, connecting with the people who inspire and motivate you. And, you know, I didn't have that for years when I was a vegetarian. That's mm. I, like, we didn't have the documentaries. I hope I didn't see them. We didn't have the, you know, the anon anonymous for the voiceless, the what the health, the cowspiracy, the footage that we now have. So I was, you know, happily the vegetarian thinking I was doing enough for 23 years and I hadn't sought out the vegan mentors. They were probably there, but down the track, you know, I discovered Rich Roll's podcast and I found amazing vegan athletes. And so I would say that's something really important for anyone looking to make this lifestyle change. You have to find the people who are already there doing it so that you can model their success. They're online. And I would also say find the people who are living like a similar lifestyle to either what you're living now or what you could be happy living. Like if you're, if you're a mom with three young kids and you're working full time, maybe don't choose your influencer as that 20 year old single female still living at home, barely working. You know, it's kind of, it's making it harder than it needs to be. <laughs> yes having been a mom of three and working full-time and transitioning to the planet I totally understand <laughs> You've done it, yeah yes I have and I will say um yeah that that's that was our challenge so I've been vegan nine years or going on nine years in the spring and um I brought it home to three teenagers so they were 13 15 and 18 at the time so now they're 26 24 22 still plant-based husband's still plant-based so that we've, we've I feel that was a success and my daughter's about to graduate medical school so that's even cooler 
was like, yes, another plant-based that solution. Is so My need is cool. done. <laughs> so cool. How receptive were they initially, Laurie, especially the kids? Were they receptive? Really? Yeah. No. Um, no. <laughs> no. So, um, I mean, we ate fairly well. I mean, we were busy family and they were all in sports and doing other activities mm. and you know, so we certainly pick up stuff, but, uh, after my interaction with the patient, they did so well. And I was like convinced by the science. Um, I was like, that's it. I'm done. We're doing this overnight. Cause I can't do another day. And, uh, so what was really interesting, the kids, um, the youngest, he was probably the most receptive. My daughter was heading off to college. So she was like, yeah, I'll put up with you for the summer. And then I'm off to college and I'm doing my thing. But, you know, she never gave. I have really good kids. I was really blessed because I think God knew that I could not take telling children. <laughs> I would probably have not made it long as a mother. Um, so he gave me some really good ones. I was like, yay. <laughs> um, nothing that I did for sure. Um, and I'm pretty sure they would tell you that too. Um, no. oh. they, they were um, very good. I think because I was in the military, I was in the air force mm -hmm. as well. And my husband had been prior military. We ran a pretty, well, I wouldn't say it was like a military home, but very strict. Right. And so we had right. expectations and if you didn't meet them, well, there's consequences and you're still going to have to do whatever you got to do. So part yeah. of that was I went to medical school with three little kids. They were five, three, and 10 months when I started medical school. And in that process, um, cooking and cleaning, I was like, listen, y'all eat what, what you got in front of you. Cause I ain't making something else. <laughs> so yeah. They grew up understanding that they would either eat it or be hungry in the morning and they'd find something else to eat. But, um, in, you know, it may sound harsh and I mean, this is just reality. I was like, I have very limited time. I had a lot on my plate mm -hmm. and, um, and they were fine for it. They, they're not picky at all. They'll eat anything that doesn't eat them. And you know what I'm saying? As far as plants exactly. and all that, but I'm just saying it's, so when I came home and made that transition, it, it wasn't anything too crazy because they already liked all the food that we were going to be eating. And, mm -hmm. um, they just understood also that they're not going to question my decision because this is the house you live in and it's run by mom and dad. And this mm -hmm. is what we're doing. So, and, you know, of course I'm always educating and talking to them. And I said, listen, when we go out, you guys eat what you want, but inside mm -hmm. the house, we're not going to eat plants or gonna eat anything but plants. And, yeah. um, that worked out fine. And when I made food, I had to up my game as a chef, man. They were real good about, you know, they give me up, you know, I'd say, okay, thumbs up or thumbs down. And it gave them a little bit of a feedback and it made them feel good if they could tell me that I was a really crummy meal. And I was like, fine, I'll make it better next time. You will like it. <laughs> so, you know, and that's kind of where it's led. And, um, and now they love it. They make these decisions on their own independently. And it took about a year um, when I started noticing that we'd go out to eat and they'd order tofu instead of steak or chicken and, you know, I was like, wow, you know, we never really had like a, we didn't have a lot of bad food influences. Like mm -hmm. we didn't buy a lot of junk food and stuff. So they didn't have a soda thing. They didn't, you know, so it wasn't too difficult to just transition to one more level healthy. And um, we had always talked about health and activity. They're always physically active. So um, yeah, I think I was just really lucky in that regard. And my husband's just like, you're still cooking? Cool. And he lost 70 <laughs> pounds. Amazing. Yeah. So he lost 70 pounds in the process. And um, wow. <clears throat> yeah yeah and so that's always been a good thing so yeah that's that's my thing but do you have a family or do you have friends or family that you've influenced that have changed as well yeah do you know um the family's funny um I'm like I'm I'm single right now when I first went vegan um I was dating a guy who was very much into um 
bodybuilding, the mm. the bro science, all the animal products type of bodybuilding. And I very much relate to your um, the way you spoke about cooking because I had a point to prove, right? Like I <laughs> wanted to make the most delicious meals. Um, and he loved those meals actually because they made them healthy. You know, they weren't vegan junk food. They were still high protein, although the protein thing's a bit of a myth. Like when, you know, we get enough protein. Um, but I made them high protein and, and I made them lower carb for him although again personally I think carbs are great as long as they're whole food carbs so I really upped my cooking game and um, my dad um, my family live in another state I'm an only child Um, my mum and dad live in another state whenever I go home we do a lot of entertaining and dad is a huge meat man and vehemently um, opposed to veganism and anything like that And mum was actually on the same page pretty much just to keep the peace. Um, Dad and I butt heads very freely. We always have, you know, when I was vegetarian, it was a bit of an embarrassment that he had a vegetarian daughter. And then I turned vegan and then I became an animal rights activist. And that was all a bit much. And so the first year that I was going home for Christmas as a new vegan, mum was really stressed because she thought there'd be big fights around the, 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 the dinner table, which so many vegans can relate to we had the extended family round and she rang me up and she said look Katie I don't know what to do about Christmas unless you just want to handle it and make it a vegan feast and I'm like done yep done I will handle Christmas and again I'm not a big cook generally Um, I'd started to get better because you know I wanted to prove how good it can be and so I cooked nine new recipes first time recipes that vegan um, Christmas and I was a little bit heartbroken because dad insisted on having you know some flesh there as well and I was like I'm going to all this effort and you still have to bring the flesh but anyway everyone loved the vegan stuff everyone was really receptive mum was so grateful because I'd taken done the heavy lifting you know (laughs) and it was such a success and the amazing thing is Laurie that that Christmas, a couple of Christmases ago on, you know, box on the day before I left um, there in Queensland, the day before I left to fly home to Sydney, mum said to me, Katie, will you watch What the Health with me? And mind you, several years previously, I'd said, all I want for my birthday is for you, mum and dad, to watch What the Health. I tried to emotionally blackmail them and strangely that didn't work. And then years on after this vegan feast I'd made for Christmas, mum said, can you watch it with me? I said, amazing. We watched it. She said, I'm going to give this plant-based thing a go for two weeks. Oh, wow. And um, we went down to the markets and got some falafel and did this frenzied shop before I flew out that afternoon. Mum was actually a nurse for 30 years. So she comes from a health background as well. And what the health really, really, really resonated with her in the way that at that point in time, Dominion or Earthlings or that sort of thing might have just been too much for her. Mm-hmm. That was nearly two years ago. Mum's still full plant-based. Oh, wow. She listens to all my podcasts. She's watched Dominion. She's like, I'm so proud. It's amazing. That is awesome. It's worth, what about your dad? Oh my God, he's still so opposed. You know, <laughs> he's like, oh my goodness, they're starting to outnumber me. <laughs> Funny, funny short story. I said I'm an only child, but actually I, I had a little, I had a cat who was a little brother, my mum and dad's cat, Thomas. And 
and he died about six weeks ago and and he was my little brother and you know that was really sad he had the best life he lived to 17 and um and mum and dad just got a new cat I have a new little brother um this week so it's very exciting but the reason for sharing this story is that they thought they might get two cats that needed to be housed together and they were joking that one would be rocket and one would be steak because there's a bit of conflict in the house really they need two separate fridges but dad's cat would be steak and mom's cat would be rocket and um, anyway long story short dad is like very not open to the vegan lifestyle Mm. yet I still hold hope wow so why do you think I mean looking at your dad and others what do you think in being vegetarian all these years is there Mm -hmm. have you had a sense of why people are so resistant um even when they've seen and literally living evidence of transitions and doing well and thriving yeah do you know i think a lot of it is fear-based a lot of it is um the fear as to um what they're going to the changes that they would you know they're not even open to looking at the facts or looking at the emotional footage or speaking for my my dad and many people I've had one-on-one interactions with because they're fearful of the changes that what they would need to make in their lifestyle and because they haven't done it yet they don't get and I didn't get I relate um I didn't get that the food would be just as delicious that there would really be no sacrifices that my health would get even better even though it was coming from an amazing place anyway They don't understand that the only hard thing about being vegan is sometimes interactions with Mm non-vegans. You know, that's really the only challenging thing. The food is amazing. The health benefits are amazing. Most of all, the most amazing thing for me is the congruency I now feel by living my life aligned with my values and beliefs completely. But another insight I had just recently when I spoke to the amazing Hench Herbivore, Paul Kirsten in, in, in the UK, and we were speaking about Joe Rogan, who's top of my vegan wish list. I just want him to like <laughs> embrace the truth in his heart. Paul mentioned that Joe likes to believe he's a compassionate person. And I think this is the same for my father. Mm. And if you admit if you change your actions from those decades, because either you've admitted that you've now got better information and it's better for your health, you know, that takes a a strong releasing of the ego to take on that new information. But also it means that you've contributed to cruelty unnecessarily for decades. Mm. And most of us contributed to cruelty for a long period of time. And I think some of us maybe more readily Maybe so, you know, I've had a lot of failures in my life. I'm down with failure. I'm down with like admitting that I was wrong. I'm very open to getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm definitely not scared of being the odd one out or, um, you know, having to take the more difficult path. So these are all kind of hesitations that people who aren't embracing the lifestyle yet must have and I think that compassion one is really key they want to believe they're compassionate so they want to believe that the animals that are being slaughtered you know don't die in terror and pain and it is done humanely they want to believe all that marketing yeah you know there's a lot there to talk about um I I I had an interview with a doctor and it was interesting because he says well I'm I'm primarily plant-based except for fish or, you know, something that's killed humanely on occasion. I was like, 
well, you know, but he talks about all these vegan beliefs that he has and stuff. And I was like, well, I'll tell you, death is not compassionate in any form. So I don't understand how you can claim to be a compassionate, mostly vegan when you're not. I'm like, you either are or you're not. I mean, there's no chain coming back from death. And, um, you know, it was really interesting because when I switched over to a plant-based diet, you know, of course I did it because my patient did so well. And I just like, this is just a healthier way of doing things for myself and my family. Mm -hmm. Not that we had, you know, health issues necessarily. Um, But what was interesting was over the course of time, you do become truly, I uh, awoke to the, to the actual, you know, suffering that's occurring to the point that, you know, like my husband and my youngest used to fish, fly fish, they'd catch and release. And like, why did we do that? That's like inflicting this pain on these innocent animals that they're just doing their thing. You know, I was like, exactly. Um, and it's, it's really interesting just to see that evolution occur. But I understand exactly what you're saying. I think that's why doctors don't switch over as well. They have their own internal issues that they're going to have to be open to like saying, hey, I was wrong. Yeah. And, but I think even some and, you know, I had a, another interaction this week with patients. I guess it was a really learned, good learning week for me. Um, you know, someone mentioned one of the more prominent plant-based doctors. Will, you know, I was making a recommendation. She goes, well, this, that doctor doesn't agree. And he's a much older. I was like, I understand that. But mm-hmm. I'm also open to the science. I'm also open to understanding mm-hmm. that I need to be the best doctor I can to present the best evidence and care for my patients. He's not the one taking care of you. I am. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that was really... So there is a really interesting um, things that, because people hold these other plant-based doctors high in regard as they should, but they can also be incorrect, right? So we need to be very open to understanding, just like I was wrong for the first half of my practice about I should be plant-based from the beginning. I wish I could have, but exactly right. It's, It's hard. It's a very humbling experience. So I just eat my cake and keep moving on. You know, it's like, well, I was wrong in there. I just... We'll just keep on moving. You know, it's just kind of the saying of like, yeah, you get it a pie in the face and you just wipe it off and keep going and learn yeah. from your, from your experience. But yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. So getting on to, I know you had mentioned you had interviewed um, the Hinch herbivore and a lot of other people. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and how it started and what your vision is for it. Cause it's always fun to talk to like-minded people who like to interview people and talk to people. other podcasters for sure um you know I started it five or six years ago now and crazily I started it as five days a week and I told myself I'd do that for um wow yeah and I did and you know that was amazing and now it's amazing to only do it once a week I embraced the interviews after um, years of thinking I should. And gosh, how many of us procrastinate on something for no good reason for years and years. That was me with the podcast interviews. And um, I made a start with it actually because Keith Burgesson from um, from Peter approached me and or his assistant set did and said, you know, can he come on to the, the podcast and speak about the vegan mentor program that Peter runs? And I'm a huge fan of, of, of Peter. I know a lot of people aren't, but I am a mad raving fan. And I've had Ingrid, Ingrid on the podcast. And that was just such a highlight for me. And anyway, that was the first interview a couple of years ago now. And it's the thing I love most in life, to be honest, to, to think, hey, who do I respect and admire most? in the world and now let's approach them and see 
see if they want to chat with me one-on-one for an hour. Like how insanely cool is that? And the really good thing about the, you know, the vegan and plant-based world is so many people say yes, because we have the same mission. It's not competitive like fitness. Fitness is really, really competitive. And I kind of hate that side of it. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's not an abundance mentality often in fitness, Mm. but it absolutely is in this world where we're all fighting for the same thing. And, And, you know, that's a healthy, happy, compassionate vegan world. That is what I am fighting for. And so the podcast lets me just chat to such a diverse range of humans from from activists to athletes to authors to doctors and filmmakers and um mm-hmm. so yeah it's healthification and um I love it it's so much fun yeah it is a lot of fun I mean you learn so much from people and it's just an honor to be in their presence and speak to them yes. I I started because I was so in- incredibly amazed with these people who made these wonderful transitions like how did you lose 200 pounds and drastically change your life when I can't get anyone else to you know like other people to do like what is so special about you that whatever was the switch in your brain and that's honestly just how to I started because I was just like I need to learn more and I'd love just some of my patients to have a resource to inspire them um but um I have learned so much oh my heavens it grown i don't think i would have grown to be half the person i am without the you know these interactions and the conversations i've had i feel really. exactly the same and you have a lovely mix where you get to do the transformation stories mm-hmm. and then you you also speak to um you know those huge like those those people that i hero worship a little bit that i get to chat to as well you know mm-hmm. our, our, our plant strong vegan doctors and mm-hmm. and the like it's amazing Yes, absolutely. And on it, like you said, the abundance mindset is so incredible because when, mm-hmm. as a family doctor, um, there's a, here it's called the AFP, it's the American Academy of Family Practitioners. So you go to those type of conferences and it's like, they're eating unhealthy food. You know, you mm-hmm. might know some people, but it's like, they're just there to, you know, check off, like I did this, my continuing medical education stuff and it's just not the same when you go to like plantation project or the american college lifestyle medicine conferences it's a whole nother world or the one that dr bernard runs um yeah and it's like you know my husband goes it's like laurie it's like you're returning to the mothership i was like yes yes i am i'm returning to the mothership to get recharged (laughs) (laughs) so um and that's, that's really cool because it's such a different, and everyone, like you said, has the same mission, the same yeah. vision for humanity, the planet and animals. And um, yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's, uh, it's just a joy. And I missed all of those this year. I really missed I that. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That's ah, COVID. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I also am always curious, how do you start someone we're going to dive in a little bit to the fitness side. It, you were in your, your, you know, almost to mid forties here. I just turned 50. So how do you work with women? I'm assuming you attract a lot of, at least a lot of my patients. I seem to attract what I am, which is, you know, 35 to 65 women with, you know, all these issues. So how do you work with women? Let's say in that age group, because that is a big part of my <laughs> demographic when you start getting them involved into the gym and let's say they never walked into a gym, what would you recommend for someone like that? 
Yeah, cool. So um, again, I, I haven't taken on new clients for, for years and years and oh, years wow. now. I've just okay. been at capacity, but I'll go back in time in my mind to when I did take <laughs> on um, new clients. And um, yes, there's, there's kind of the mix of either my age and they've all aged with me. So I've got no total youngsters now. My youngest is like 33 because we've all aged together, um, <laughs> but that's all right. So we've got my age and then we've got mom and dad's age and literally anyone mom and dad's age, I kind of, I, I pretend it's like I'm training my mom who I do train virtually. And it's like, I'm <laughs> training my dad who I have put together a program for and he trains too. But so that's my mindset. It's like, I'm spending time with my mom or dad and and um, the gym our gym is a very safe environment everyone knows your name like like cheers the bar but um, you know it's the opposite of your big showy commercial gym which I used to go to as well pre-COVID now I don't but we're that really safe environment where I know my clients aren't at home in the gym, you know, they're, they're, they're in the gym like I am I don't know we're walking into a hardware store or something like like that and so I want to put them at ease and I want to start off safe obviously but also with something that they don't feel daunted by right the gym is kind of either new to a lot of my clients initially or they've had a bad experience in the past Mm. and so the main thing is to you know to let them feel comfortable to make sure that it's achievable to them um, to be before I became a personal trainer, when I was first studying, I decided what type of person I wanted to be in the gym because the gym is a very, um, it's a very visual environment. Your client sees you, but every other client in the gym is very aware of what type of a trainer you are. So I wanted to be the most positive and focused trainer in the gym. And it's something I endeavored to carry on throughout my entire career. So if you're with me in the gym, you have my 100% attention. And sometimes your client our age or older is going to want a really intense, strong session where you're focusing on the exercise. But much more so than that, I'm finding they really want someone to listen to them and to empathize with them and to help them work through whatever they're trying to work through right now. Because exercise for me is precious me time because I love lifting weights. Exercise for my clients is precious them time because maybe it's the only time where they have someone fully intent on them and their goals and what they're feeling. And so as much as I can, I try to like, you know, work in the, the nutrition talk because we all know that that's going to be 80% of it. And it doesn't matter how hard you work in your time with me in the gym. If you um, are reckless with, with the rubbish that you eat, you know, that 99% of the time you're not with me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's a, a snapshot of, of how it works. Yeah, it reminds me of kind of like you, you'll hear people talk about like they go to the hairdresser or something like that, and they do more of a psychologist type, yeah. of, you know, and, and the plus is they get their hair done, you know, so they get to work out with you, but at the same time, they get to work through whatever struggles and I totally can understand that. That's you know, it's it's so true. And also um, it's kind of very important to, I guess, work through some of the misconceptions that our industry, the fitness industry, have put out there. So mm. I want my clients be they, you know, young guys, don't have any young guys anymore, or ladies, my mom mum's age, I want them to lift as heavy weights as they can safely lift. Such mm. a misconception. They're not gonna get too big and bulky, they're just gonna 
choose their curves and, and build metabolically active lean muscle tissue. I also want to bust that myth that carbs are, you know, the demon, um, you know, the, the devil, whatever it may be. So many of it breaks my heart. I'll have a 70 year old lady who's terrified of eating a banana, you know? Um, so, so that's a part of it as well, which I'm sure you deal with too, that busting the myth yes. and misconception. Yes. So we, I, I see patients across the United States and I have international patients as well. And uh, it is really interesting to listen to the, like, like you said, and bananas come up a lot. I don't know mm -hmm. why. Um, yeah. Or potatoes. They're like, those are going to make me fat. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, no. I promise you're not going to get fat eating a potato or a banana. <laughs> what's on your potato, that might be an issue. But so the true. potato in and of itself is not going to hurt you. <laughs> it's so, so it's true. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so like impactful and powerful for those of us who are, you know, committed to the healthy vegan plant-based lifestyle that we walk the talk, like the mm -hmm. way we act and look and our energy is such a powerful way to advocate, you know, for the animals from, from my point of view, for the planet, for your health, whatever it is. But we have the opportunity with every interaction with our clients, you know, to, to show them how easy and positive and sustainable the, the lifestyle can be and is. It is. And I honestly, I think because I've taken, I've made a choice to be kind of step out and, you know, do the podcast and do other things to put myself in front of people to share this mm -hmm. message, which I feel is, it's like you're compelled to scream from the rooftops. Yeah. I really, really um, have accountability to those who that I may help, you know, inspire them to make better choices. And I'm like, I can't, I don't have room in my life to mess up and then potentially hurt someone I don't even know. That's how I see it. And so now Thank I'm you. training for, I love running. I've been runner for a long time. Um, you know, not, maybe not always consistently. I need to spend more time in the gym. That is my other yeah. thing I do. But um, I'm training for my first 50 K um, which is just a little over 31 miles. And so since I just turned 50, I was like, 50K seems like a, a good thing. And I've trained from before. That's amazing. But yeah. So when I, I've hired, um, I've got a really awesome plant-based co running coach, Donnie Campbell from Scotland. And I just love you guys with your accents. I'm sure I have an <laughs> accent to you, but you know, whatever. Um, but it's just really fun to see you know, and speak to him weekly and, and get that feedback. I've never really had a coach before or anything like that. So it was really interesting. So I do encourage people, if you have a goal, reach out to people like yourself or like Donnie, just someone who can actually help you because it's, it's nice not to have to take that on all yourself. And it really does when you're feeling like, huh, do I have to, like I ran five miles before our interview is like, I am not going to run later because I know I'll be stressed and feeling fresh. It was like, Donnie's going to, he's watching, he's seeing my, he sees, cause I do this upload on training piece. Like Donnie's going to see that I didn't do it till, uh, nope, I'm doing it now. <laughs> so that's where I find that very helpful, but just, but so you have a very special role, I think in, in helping people find and, and maintain health. So I think that's very, very good. So thank you for your service for that. That's awesome. Oh, I'm, I'm so lucky. It's, it's, it's such a privilege. And I really resonate with what you say about hiring a coach. Um, you know, the, the more successful you are, I'm thinking of my clients, um, the more of a joy it is to just actually switch off for once and let someone else do the thinking for yes. you. You know, we, 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 
we're making decisions all the time in our life. And so it's not a weakness. It's just an absolute privilege and joy to actually just pass that off to one little professional in your life um, and say, hey, you make the decisions for me. I'm just going to focus on on doing what what you tell me to do for a little bit. I think it's yep. so good. Exactly. And when I had my first, so I interviewed Donnie, I don't know if the, inter- the podcast is up yet, but um, afterwards we had our first conversation as just the coach and, and the client. And he was saying, you know, he had had, you know, other interactions where people were very like, I want to do this, this, and this. And he's like, yeah. why am, why am I your coach? <laughs> yeah. But I was like, Donnie, I said, you don't understand. Like you said, it's switching. I make decisions on other people's care and yeah, is like literally decision fatigue. But like you said, and when Donnie says, I'm going to do this, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, totally. tell me. he's, I'm pretty sure is the easiest person he's ever had. I was like, you don't understand. I'll just do what you say. This is <laughs> yeah. generally really the busiest professionals, the most high achievers, generally they're the best clients because A, they're always on time, B, they want to make the most of their time and C, they've, they've, they've done their homework, their due diligence, they've hired and chosen you for a reason. And so mm-hmm. then they're just going to sit back and let you make the decisions for them mm-hmm. yeah and I'm pushing 30 miles a week now and I'm like this is good, good on you. <laughs> amazing yep so um totally stoked about that but I know you're you need to go you have clients in the gym I do I don't even what time is it there 5 30 no morning? it's fine now it's 6 22 oh, so it, like okay. it's even light outside now it's all good it's amazing amazing it's 12 30 in the afternoon here it just cracks me up on Friday and you're in Saturday anyway yeah I'm in the future you are the future we have those are fun <laughs> but I know I want to be respectful of your time and you you do need to go is there any last bit of advice you would recommend for someone who's contemplating this way of eating or you know contemplating bringing on the gym yeah of course the one thing I wish I knew you know 25 years ago or so when I was like debilitatingly shy and and nervous is with anything whether you're looking to adopt a plant-based lifestyle or walk into the gym for the first time whatever it may be I would say back yourself back yourself 100 percent um, times are uncertain right now. Times are always uncertain, but but we kind of often think we have more control with circumstances than what we do. The only thing that we really have control over is ourself and the decisions that we make. And so I would say my very best advice is to is to back yourself to have certainty in you because you actually can't have certainty in circumstances. And sadly, you often can't have certainty in people, but definitely you can have certainty in you and in the fact that you'll come up with the goods no matter what hand you're dealt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's 100%. This, it, it all comes back to your shoulders, whatever your decisions. So you're literally um, the product of all the decisions you made in the last well, for me, 50 years, <laughs> you know, so yeah. again, it doesn't mean you have to continue down that path. And I think that's brilliant. Absolutely. So be certain where you want to go. So you'll turn your sails and take off in that direction. So absolutely. Well, thank you, Ms. Kate. That was a wonderful conversation. And I really appreciate your time with us. And um, I will put all your information on where people can find you and learn more about your podcast and listen to all, I'm sure your amazing interviews. And um if you have any questions or anything, um, please, everyone, just take a peek at below at the, the 
the lines there. It'll, we'll have some links for you. But Kate, thanks again for your, your time with us. Thank you so much, Laurie. I love what you do. You have some amazing guests. So it was um, a huge um, privilege and so much fun to, to chat with you today. Absolutely. Thank you again.